0: Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast. We have another very special guest, and of course, we have our co-host, Corinne French.
1: Hey, I'm excited to be here. Can't wait to get started.
0: Yes, same here. We have Superintendent Edwards from Angleton ISD, the beautiful area of Angleton. If you haven't been down there, it's beautiful country out there. Um, Thank you for being here, Superintendent Edwards.
2: Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this.
0: Outstanding, and so are we. We're looking forward to the conversation. Before we jump into the conversation, tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Sure, I've been in education, this is my 34th year. Uh, I started out as a math teacher I've worked in mainly in the Dallas area. I worked in uh, Edgewood ISD, Mesquite ISD, got into school administration in Kemp ISD, where I was fortunate enough to be the superintendent there for about three and a half years. And then four years ago, was very, very fortunate to be chosen as the superintendent and the leader for Angleton ISD. And so I've done that for the last four years. So like I said, I was a teacher for 11 years and been in school administration for 20 plus years. Uh, for that, and have enjoyed every bit of it.
1: When you were in that classroom, did you ever see yourself as superintendent? and how did that process happen? Well so
2: I, I, that's a great question. and I, I, the answer is no. I never saw myself a superintendent. The story of how I became a superintendent, I really wasn't expecting to be one at that point, but an opportunity was presented to me, and I thought, yes. You know, one of the things that I could say I love teaching. I taught math high school math for eleven years. just enjoyed the heck out of it. But the truth of the nature was, is I had a family to support. My wife, we have three kids. My wife chose to st- quit her job and stay home. And so I had to make more money. And the way you do that in education is you get into administration. And I just gradually made my way up uh, through that. But the economic factors of, of staying in education and supporting your family is kind of what led me into administration. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, I said, if they paid teachers what they paid superintendents, I'd still be teaching. Mm. I like doing that. Wow. Uh, but, you know, I think that's one of the things that I, I always try to remind myself And we've tried to do some things here in Angleton about how do we keep people who want to stay in the classroom, give them the ability to stay in the classroom and still financially support their families. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we mm-hmm. our starting teacher salary here in Angleton is $55,000, which is pretty high, but I think- if we gave teachers an opportunity to get into that $90,000, $100,000 range and mm-hmm. get there, they might be more willing to stay into the classroom. Uh, so, uh, wow.
1: Well, you just, I mean, I'm working on my my doctorate right now. And I i mean, those are things that I think of all of the time, because when we're thinking of building capacity within leaders mm-hmm. uh, and within a district teacher retention, I mean, those are, wow, you went real deep, real fast. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I know I love that because it's, that's so, it's... I mean, I wish we could. I wish we really right. could because, uh, I mean, you think of, of a, a teacher, well, I think of it this way. There are students that I mentor at the university, and I'll ask them, do you ever think that you'd see, do you ever see yourself as superintendent? And one of the young students that I mentor, she said, well, whenever I'm tired of teaching or I get burnt out. <laughs> And I was like, you may never burn out. Like you, right. you really may never burn out of teaching. It's, 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 it's almost like when I was having kids, someone said to me, um, when are you going to stop having kids? And I said, well, when I, when I feel like I'm done, I have six. And right. I never, I would have had a million, you right, know? And right. so I, I, don't, I don't know if this is the, the right approach of doing that, but along those lines, what What have been some of the comparison? you know in the classroom, you make an impact with students. Right. and now your impact is larger. what is what have been some highlights being in leadership this I, I way? Think,
2: I think one of the things that I've really I've worked in two, I've been superintendent in two districts that have a high high low low socioeconomic status. And so when I was in camp, you know our low socioeconomic status, eighty five percent of the district. Was oh wow. There. In that's Angleton, right. it's about 70, a little over 70%. And so when, one of the things that's been wonderful for me in working in administration is when you see kids come out of poverty and expand and improve their lot in life, you know, make more than what their parents make, mm-hmm. uh, have those opportunities to do those things. Inevitably, the reason they get to do those things is because of education. It's right. being in schools, it's being in public schools, It's working their way up through the education system and so that to be able to put together as a teacher or as an administrator being being putting systems in place to allow those things to happen for kids is probably one of the things that i'm the most proud about that i've been able to do in in, in my time in education Uh, i just think that's very very important that kids no matter what their opportunity they're born into education is that equalizer and provides them Mm -hmm. the opportunity to get to improve their state state in life and so That's the things I've enjoyed the most.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it it truly is. I mean, you think about teachers and we're talking about salary earlier. It's a definitely an underrated value that that you get. I mean, if if you look at the big picture and I mean, I I remember when I was a kid, we had to write an essay and it was talking about teacher salaries versus professional athletes. <laughs> yeah, was not there. <laughs> it was like well should teachers be paid and it was interesting that it might have even been posted in our yearbook and it was kind of interesting the answers you get and there's there's definitely a level of support that's needed for teachers both from the community from i mean from society There. And of course, financially as well, because that is a a big job to have. Now, now superintendents, that, I don't know how y'all do it, honestly, with so many stakeholders and so many differing opinions, and I mean, between (laughs) the community the government the staff wow. the t- yeah, I mean the board <laughs> the, the board I mean yes you get paid more but it's a lot more well I can't say it's all it is challenging I'm just going to make that statement it is a challenging role from just from what I've heard I've never had the opportunity to experience it I don't know if I'd want that role because it's <laughs> because it is so challenging um now what are um uh, there's a lot going on right now right. in society. I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier about some of the challenges faced. I mean you have a you have a virus out there. You have technology changes. you have um, students that are exposed to different things nowadays. you know, just thinking about some of the other podcasts I've done, those topics have come up. Um, what are what are you seeing right now that you're really passionate about or something that that just I don't want to say, keeps you up at night but what are what are some of those things that are you know maybe it's one thing in particular that you
2: you feel like can make a big difference if it if there was maybe a change yeah I, I think one of the things that we I think a lot about well, I'm going to talk about two I, I'll first talk off that's kind of two parts there is how I'll answer that question I'm going to start off by talking about you asked me what keeps me up at night what keeps me up right now is what's going on in our schools and in our classrooms that our teachers and principals are having to deal with in terms of what COVID has put on them, alongside of with what we expect out of them academically. You know, this TEA has got, hey, we've got standards we want you to meet, and we expect you to improve, and we expect academic improvement. We expect, our board expects, and rightly so, you know, us to keep growing kids and, you know, providing great opportunities for kids. Uh, And so we have those pressures that are getting put on teachers, and then we have the virus and COVID and what all that does. And so it's driving people out of our profession. I mean, that's just a reality that we're dealing yes. with. So, you know, what I what keeps me up at night and what I've been thinking a lot about in the last six, eight, 12 weeks is how do we keep our people in our district? Uh, how do we keep our good teachers teaching? You know, I, I had a conversation with some of our staff here and, you know, I said, you know, we get, we want to put programs in because we think it will help. help kids improve, but I said, let's be very honest, the best thing we need to have happen is our strong teachers need to continue to be, to work at Angleton ISD and not go do something else. That's what's best for kids, and so how do we do that? How do we take, help take some of those burdens off teachers, but still get the academic improvements we need for our students, and how do we make up that gap in learning that we've experienced from COVID? That's a really tricky situation. I'm going to tell you, I don't have a good answer for it, Uh, we are spending a lot of time and a lot of things to try and do to help that. Uh, I think the other thing that I'm just extremely passionate about that kind of fits in line with that is equity. You know, I've told you we work in a school district right now that's 70% free and reduced lunch. How do we provide equitable programs for all kids? And, you know, one of the things I think, especially in the political world we live in today is people hear that word equity, they hear Minority, or worse, they hear Democrat and Republican, and it's not right. about these things. Uh, it's about how do we give all kids the same opportunities, uh, and so that that's probably something I'm very very passionate about, and try to put systems in place that give students equity, give students opportunities for the for the same to reach the same heights. I would say, mm-hmm. yes,
0: wow, <laughs> that 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 hits close to home for me. I'm I'm just gonna. Mm-hmm be completely transparent here so i I grew up in a single family household up until i was in the fourth grade and i remember speaking of equity you know free lunches free breakfasts i i remember the day when i got the opportunity to get breakfast in the morning a warm breakfast in the morning and a warm lunch Um, my mother was working for the sheriff's department she was spread thin I mean, and I remember going from that transition to um, a little bit of Wheaties with a little bit of milk to an actual meal (laughs) that, that, I mean, it it definitely, it affects how you learn. It affects, uh, it's a big deal. And Mm -hmm. to think about, to have the same expectations of a student that has all their needs provided for versus a student that can, that's looking for table scraps for breakfast or for, for lunch um, is, I mean, it's, it's massive and it's something I'm passionate about. And so I left the corporate world about a year ago to join a faith-based organization to give back to schools and churches. And so it's, it's interesting to hear these stories because it's something that definitely hits close to home. Um, What, what are some, what are some ideas? um, First of all, I just, I just want to thank Thank you for bringing, shedding a light on this because it's easy as human beings to, once you get through a pandemic or you get through a tough situation, to try to go back to the way things were. Mm-hmm. But now we're looking forward, right? We're looking how, how, to, how to change things. And any ideas that have come to mind um, that, that, that could help the situation?
2: Yeah, I, I'll just talk about, first of all a couple of things about w- things we've done here in Angleton that I think have really helped promote equity and uh, provide opportunities for students. And then what I see some some other challenges as we as we move forward. You know, just real quickly, you know, one of the things we did a couple of years ago, and I was very proud of our board. I work with a wonderful board here in Angleton. Is we made the commitment that we're going to pay all dual credit costs for any student in our school district. So. You know, so we have a very robust relationship with Brazosport College down here. Uh, We have a very robust dual credit program. We want our kids in high school to take dual credit classes because we know research shows that if you can pass a dual credit class in high school, the expectations that you're going to do well in college just increase dramatically. And one of the things we didn't want to do is a parent's economic standing because dual credit classes aren't cheap. You know, I put three, three of my kids through them you know, it's 1,200, 1,500 bucks a a semester. And, you know, we didn't want a student's economic background to determine whether they got to do these classes or not. So our district made the commitment that if a kid signs up for a dual credit class through Rising Sport College, the school district was going to pay for it. There's going to be no cost to anybody. Uh, Doing things, that's an example. Uh, Getting our best, most experienced teachers in front of the kids who are the most needy. Making that kind of thing is a huge thing that can go to equity. Making sure when we look at specialized programs like Gifted and Talented that we really look at what the background of the student is because some kids are able, and what's our selection criteria to get kids in gifted and talented? Because a lot of times it's based on who has better experiences at home and growing up than it is other things. Uh, Those are some of the things that we've done. I think one of the biggest challenges we have when it comes to equity is technology, you know, mm-hmm. kids who come from impoverished backgrounds not only need access devices, but they need access to the internet. And we, this really came out during COVID when we were trying to do home learning and we just had kids that didn't have access to it. And how did we get those things to them? And it sounds very simple, simple. i give them a Chromebook, give them a hotspot, but it wasn't. I mean, we have places mm-hmm. where kids live that hotspots, don't, doesn't matter if you got a hotspot or not, it doesn't work. And so Giving kids access to the internet, to technology, and I'm sure you all know, uh, that's not going to go away. That's only going to increase in our society. And So we've got to give kids opportunities to uh, just get on the internet and and have access to these things. And So uh, those are a lot of the topics we talk about here in Angleton, and and I know they are the same topics in almost every school district in the state as well.
1: Yeah, I mean that the idea of like when we got sent home, it doesn't matter. You're right. If there was a device, uh, we had to improve our internet three times. Where I live in my district, I live a block from the school. Wow. I'm uh, and I'm I'm on the board, the uh-huh. service president of on the board, but it didn't matter. Like it it just wasn't happening fast enough. I don't think I ever. I don't think I've ever cried so much, like out of fear and being scared, because. Uh-huh. It, that and when we had the winter storm, I mean, those were some really difficult times as a, as an adult. So right. you think of like how are how are kids handling some of that? Mm-hmm. I think um, I, I I wonder like what what as we're moving forward. I don't want us to return back to normal because some things weren't working prior right. to prior to this pandemic, but we know kids do better in the classroom. But I, I so I yeah this is. But I think we need to have you back on and actually like dive deep again into more uh, some of this equity conversation, I think people are afraid to even talk about that, like you mentioned, and we want to we want to throw it into certain categories right away without just saying where are we with this, what does it look like in our district. So I think we need to have you on again, Um, but I have a question about. You mentioned. We well, we kind of talked a little bit about that people are leaving the field right so. And we can't pay them the way we want to maybe, maybe we could do some some retention bonuses and some some we can make some accommodations, but. What do you have to say to the young students at the university level who are thinking, why would I go into this field? Um, do you have some, some tips? And then a second one, a second maybe piece of advice, or to the, a lot of open positions for superintendents in this state right now. And I'm personally in class with some really great principals who are getting their superintendent certification. So I feel very confident that there are going to be plenty of uh, quality candidates out there. But it's a daunting task, you know, it's a little, so just some general tips and advice, um, maybe a couple sentences there on encouraging those young students and then also the, student, the students who are ascending to be superintendent.
2: Sure, the thing I would tell young students is this, and I shared this quote with our staff, we were at TASA Midwinter a couple of weeks ago and we heard a gentleman speak by the name of Inky Johnson, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. One of the things Mr. Johnson said that really resonated with me and really, re- I, I, again, I, I, we had an administrative meeting this, this morning, and I, I told them the same thing. I said, the comments he made, he talked about people leaving the profession. And he said, people don't, people don't leave the profession because of what's happening to them right now. And he was talking about COVID and that kind of stuff. He says, people leave the profession because you've forgotten why you're doing doing this job and how important the job is. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say to new people getting into the profession is, You're right, you're not gonna get the financial rewards out of this, Uh, but you're gonna get an opportunity to do things that are so important and so special. And you're gonna get an opportunity to serve kids and you're gonna get an opportunity to help kids grow and become better. And that is such an important responsibility and it's such a great gift of what we get to do. And don't forget those things as you go through this because education is tough. It's getting pulled in a lot of different ways. But at the end of the day, if we focus on that positive part of what we do and why we do it, and we don't forget that, then you're gonna experience success and you're gonna experience happiness and joy out of the job. And so it's such an important job and you do get rewards out of it. And so that's the thing I I, I would say they they, to them. I think the thing about superintendents, uh, I tell people the same, I give the same pieces of advice is is it's a great job. You really get to impact the students in your district at a very large level. I'd say the two things I always try and keep in mind, both of these things were told to me from uh, other superintendents is don't ever forget that one of your jobs is you're there to advocate for those kids that don't have anybody speaking for them. And so make sure you continue to do those kinds of things. The second thing I always say is, and I always tell our board and our administrators this, is what our job is, is to not deliver the school district that I think they need to have. So I tell people, look, Angleton ISD does not get the school district that Phil Edwards thinks it needs to have. The people in the community and the school board of Angleton ISD get to tell me what kind of school district they want. And my job is to deliver that to them. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And so that's our job is to deliver, deliver the types of districts that our communities want. Uh, I think that's very important to remember. School districts are very different all throughout the state and they have different needs and things. And I think as a superintendent, you cannot lose sight of that. You have to be responsive to the community. I think that's very, very important.
1: That is, I mean, as board president and as uh, someone who's up on the, I'm on the TASB board also, and, and I see the differences across the state. That is, that's very powerful. Thank you for that. Our, our listeners are gonna love that and they're gonna be encouraged by that, sir.
2: I appreciate that. But like I said, I think that's very important as a superintendent, you have to understand Mm -hmm. that you're serving the community.
0: Yeah, you know, this has been a refreshing discussion. And the reason why is, I don't know why it reminds me of this, but it reminds me of Stephen Covey's book, The The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a, it seems like anyways to me, you know, one opinion here, that it's a back to the basics type of discussion. Mm-hmm. Give the kids what they need first of all: the right. the, the food, their well being, the support. Reward them with their efforts. Give them access to dual credit classes if they're put in the work and they have achieved, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the results. Right. Reward them for that. Um, know your why. Know why you're in. Mm-hmm. Why why are you in this role to begin with? You know what what makes you want. And uh, when the, the times are get when the times get tough, go back to, to why you're why you there in the first place. Then having that mentor, listening to the community, I mean, th- this is this is so important. Um, I mean, we could talk about a lot of other things, but this is these are these are the things mm-hmm. that are the foundation that everything else is built upon. And mm-hmm. so that th- this has been really exciting. And so I, I want to
2: thank you, Superintendent Edwards, for being on the podcast.
1: Yes, thank you so much. I can't wait to meet you in person
2: soon. Absolutely. I look forward to meeting you. And again, thank you very much for asking me to do this. Uh, I, I, I enjoy having these kinds of conversations. And so I
1: think we're going to have to have you on again. I think we need to have another. I mean, I think another d- deep dive into equity conversation with you would be wonderful.
2: I would appreciate that. But I, again, thank you very much. I was very honored that you asked me to do this.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes, we're, we're honored to have you as a guest. And Before we close out, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact is a faith-based company that's giving funding to school districts. They've given $1.5 billion to over 160 districts in Texas and over 700 churches, and they do that using technology to generate a source of revenue for school districts. Many districts have used it to increase teacher salaries, or whatever the needs of the district are, So if you are looking for additional funding for your district, check out Ideal Impact. And for those that have been tuning in, stay tuned for future episodes of the Educational Leadership Podcast.